All right, uh, Mark chapter number 7. We're going to le- read a lengthy portion of Scripture uh, this morning, more than I usually do, but Mark chapter number 7, we're going to start in verse number 1. Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw him and of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands off, eat not, holding the traditions of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. <coughs> Excuse me. And many other things there be which they have received to, uh, to hold as the washing of cups and of pots and brazen vessels and of tables. And when the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why walk not uh, thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? And he answered and said unto them, Well hath Elias prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teach of, for doctrines the commandments of men. For lay aside the commandment of God, ye hold a tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups and many other things, such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said unto, uh, for Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whosoever curses father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, if it is Corban, then as to say a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother. Make the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered many such like things do ye. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. That there is nothing from without a man that entereth in him can defile him. But the thing which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he saith unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from what without entereth into the man cannot defile him? Defile him, because it entered not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out the draught, uh, purging all meats. And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, and evil eye, blaspheme, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank You for another day You've given to us. Thank You for another Sunday. And Lord, I know we live busy lives. We run to and fro and that busyness. We can forget the importance of Your Word. Your voice, Your still small voice can be drowned out by the noise. Lord, help us this morning to be focused upon Your Word. And Lord, I pray You help us now. Give me the words to speak. 
would be a blessing and encouragement in Jesus' name. Amen. I think all of us have heard the word hypocrisy before. And we definitely never want to be called a hypocrite. Though we probably have called people hypocrites before. We don't want to be called that. That word actually comes to us from the ancient Greek language. It was used to describe an actor in a play. Ancient actors would carry around with them different masks. So a mask would be on a stick. And when they were playing a certain part, they would use that mask. So maybe one of the characters was one who was funny. So they would have a mask with a smile. And maybe one was an individual who was sad. So they would put a sad face on it. So the sticks were used. So they would change their face. Hippocrotos is what the name of the actor was called. It means one who wears a mask. We use the word today to refer to someone who's pretending to be one thing when they're actually something else. So the word actually does still apply because they do wear a mask, in essence. They act one way, in another way they're different. Right? Uh, so we pretend to be our friend, and then the next minute they're stabbing our back. They're not really good friends at all. Uh, and sad to say, we probably know, and it's even sadder to say, sometimes we are. You know, and, and no one came to me this week and told me to preach about hypocrites. We're just going through the book of Mark, okay? Just so you know, every week we're going to keep going through the book of Mark Sunday morning. So you want to know what pastor going to preach about next week? Just read a little bit further ahead, okay? That's what we're going to do. We're just going to go through the book. So we, hypocrites are around us. They're not new. Oh, and this passage, Jesus encounters a whole group of them. This just wasn't a single individual. This was a whole group. And they came down from Jerusalem to watch. They didn't come to receive teaching so they could be more like Christ. They came to look for a fault. That was their spirit right away. Now, there's a problem with that spirit. Okay, We'll find fault with everybody, but the reality is, as individual believers, we should be encouraging, amen? And encouraging each other along to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not to say that we don't confront error, because we certainly do. We need to. Uh, but we shouldn't be all about fault finding. As, you know, Christ approaches these uh, uh, Pharisees, these hypocrites, but we don't see it doing the sinners. He's trying to get them to get saved and show them the way of salvation, show them the way of truth. They come to find fault, and it didn't take them long to find fault because Jesus didn't live by their rules. Right? He didn't live by the rules of man. That's the title of my message this morning is the rules of man. He didn't live by the rules of man. And they arrive and they watch and they find something. And these men see the disciples of Jesus eating their food without washing their hands and they're offended. Now this is not the matter of, you know, they were underneath their vehicle changing oil and there's oil all over their hands and they start eating a sandwich. Nothing like that. You know, uh, I think all of us men here have on occasion eaten some food when our hands have been good and dirty. And we're still here to tell a story. Right? This is not what they're talking about. This is totally a ceremonial thing. And Jesus is going to front them and says, it's not about the hands, it's about the heart. It's about the heart. The heart is the issue. It has been then and it is now. And it will be in the future. So number one, the problem confronted. The problem confronted. Verses 1 to 5, I already read it for you. They came down, the Pharisees came down from Jerusalem and they saw disciples eat bread with defile, that's to say without unwashing hands. Now I can almost see uh, 
as I read the scriptures, I mean, I kind of like to think about it and meditate upon it. I can almost see the crowd of Pharisees in the corner watching Jesus and, and they're like, oh, did he do that? Did he do that? Then they see the disciples do what they did. Oh, my, they have found fault. Blow the trumpets. We have found fault. That means to place blame. Place blame. You know, and they turn to Jesus because in their mind, He is their rabbi. He is their teacher. He is their leader. And He should know better. Again, not eating with the dirty hands like I just said, like they were out cutting grass or, you know, taking care of animals. That's not what I was talking about. This is a religious washing. This washing was to take place if a, a Jewish individual would go into the market. They brush up against people they didn't know. It was the idea of keeping ceremonially clean. And if they rubbed shoulders with a Gentile, they were defiled. And how did they know who everybody was? So they would wash their hands. So I looked this up a little bit just to see what it was. So it was a matter of someone pouring water on your hands. So first of all, your hands would be like this, and they would pour water on your hands, and the water would have to come off your wrist, drip off your wrist, then the right, and your fingers were pointed upwards. And then, after that was taking place, you would turn your hands upside down and your fingers were pointed down and you would make sure of water and then you would rub them together. No soap or no cleansing. It was just the idea of a ceremonial. It was the tradition of the elders. A tradition. Came from, you know, I don't doubt it had some good intentions, but it's a tradition. There was, that's all it was. And it was actually placed within the Mishnah, which is the tradition uh, that, and, and the idea of a Mishnah is that it's a fence to protect the law and their tradition. In an effort to protect the law from the people, the ancient Jews added to the law. They added restrictions that went way beyond the letter of the law. The Jewish leaders believed that their traditions helped people keep the law better. I'm going to give you a couple that I found. And they're, 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 they're to me, I don't understand it. Okay? So, it all has to do with the Sabbath, okay? These, those traditions I'm going to mention to you. Uh, these fences. So, apparently, uh, you could not wear... Now, this is a little bit of a funny one. You could not wear false teeth on the Sabbath. Because if, you, if they fell out, you could not pick them up. I didn't make it up, but that's, you know... Uh, and regarding to carrying a burden, now, I think you've heard this before reading through Scripture, that they weren't supposed to carry anything. So a handkerchief. Okay, They couldn't carry it. What they would do is they would tie it around their neck so then it wasn't really a burden. If they ever had to use it to blow their nose, they could take it off and blow their nose and tie it. But they couldn't keep it in their pockets or just hold it. It was considered a burden. Another one was uh, rabbis debated about a a man with a wooden leg. If the man should, uh, if he was in bed and the house caught on fire, was he to carry his wooden leg out if he didn't have time to put it on? To me, that makes no. Why would you even talk about that? You want the man to live, but they didn't want him to carry anything. And just and all these. I mean, we think about it and we chuckle amongst ourselves. And there's other ones I read like that is so outrageous. But to them, it was very important. And to Jewish people today, it's still very important. Okay, it's it's a fence to protect them uh, and protect the law. And, and but they were all man-made rules. 
You would not find any reference in the Word of God to this. This is the man's rules. And, and the problem with man's rules, they're not God's. No, I, I'm not against rules. Don't leave today and say, well, Pastor Alcott was preaching against rules. I'm going to drive as fast as I want in the 401. No. That's not what I'm talking about. They were applying rules into the realm of the spiritual. They had no business getting involved with. None at all. Their rules were not God's rules. And these were rules made by men seeking to control other men. Control. The problem with man's rules is just that it's man's rules, not God. Now, God's Word says it's wrong. It's wrong. I don't care who you are. You can try to do whatever you want. And we kind of talk about this on Sunday nights with our uh, you know, false teachers and apostates as we're going through Second Peter. You can twist it up any way you want. It's still wrong. I just recently I saw a report about the pastor. I cannot remember his name. I don't even like to use the word pastor for this individual. But he was on Good Morning America or something and said abortion was okay. What? God's Word says murder is murder. doesn't change. doesn't matter if you live in America or the Philippines or Russia or Australia. It's still murder. It's still wrong. So God's Word doesn't change. But there's some things that God's Word are silent. And the Lord's given us liberty to do, but He does give us some very good guidelines. Uh, let me read you a few verses. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12, it says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful to me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. 1 Corinthians 10.23 All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful, but all things edify not. I like this one in particular. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 Abstain from all appearance of evil. That, that gives a great deal of uh, guidance and principles. 1 Corinthians 8.13 Wherefore... If meat make my brother to, uh, to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth lest I make my brother to offend. Listen, as Christians, there's going to be times that we might be more mature than another Christian and, uh, and us doing a certain thing will cause them, though it's not wrong, will cause them to stumble. Don't do it! We're supposed to encourage each other along. That's, that's our purpose. So he confronts the problem, then he condemns it. Verses 6 to 14. I'm not going to read all the verses again, but he condemns it. These men are upset with Jesus. This wasn't a matter of they're like, oh, look, he did it wrong. No, I mean, like I told you earlier about sound the trumpet. That's what they were doing. They were looking any way to disgrace the Lord Jesus Christ. And because the disciples did not perform this ritual washing, they were upset. And then Jesus reveals the hypocrisy in their hearts. Now, verses 6 to 9, I mean, talk about being very forthright. Well, have a live said, prophesy to you hypocrites. I don't know about you, but if someone calls me a hypocrite, that gets my back up pretty quick. What? What have I done? I don't like that word, but he, the Lord calls them exactly the way they are. He accuses them of being hypocrites. And he refers back to Isaiah 29, verse 13. That's where it comes from. Because they have elevated the traditions to the point of it carries more weight than the Word of God. That, that's what they were doing here. A rabbi, uh, Eliezer, once said, He who expounds the Scriptures in opposition to the tradition 
has no share in the world to come. Oh, I'm sorry, Rabbi Eliezer, you're absolutely wrong. The Word of God is the Word of God. It's above all what men say. Verse number 8, he tells them that they've laid aside the commandments of God. He tells them they've rejected the commandments of God. So they keep the traditions, but they do not keep the laws of God. They're blatant hypocrites. Remember the, the, the mask? Oh, we obey the law. You are not hand-washing, but yet you won't even keep the, the commands of God. You're hypocrites. They were trying to be legalistic. Now, in our terminology today, legalism would mean that you have to do certain things in order to be saved. Now, to keep your salvation to be saved, and that's not true. What do we know about salvation is that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we repent of our sin, we trust Him, we are part of the family of God. Amen? Then the journey of Christian life really begins. Salvation is just the beginning. The Lord lays out in His Word how we ought to live. He leaves it to our free will to obey or disobey, but there's consequences either way. So we need to be obeying God's Word and, and doing as we should. But the Lord doesn't have, you know, you have to walk around the church seven times before you go in. No. But the traditions of men sometimes are that foolish, aren't they not? And God says, no, this is the way it should be. And the reality is, those who have these, you know, they put these fences, just like the, the Mishnah of the Jewish faith, or Judaism does, they put up these fences, thinking that their little petty rules are more important than anything else. Now, they, 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 they walk like they, they think that person should walk, and if the other person doesn't walk like them, they're not, they're, they're not right with the Lord. Aren't you glad we're all different? I'm certainly glad every one of you are not like me. And you should be happy about that as well. These are shores. <laughs> you like lots of fish and different things of that nature. All right? We're all different. And we all have different makeups. And we all make up the body of Christ. And I'm so glad that you're part of the body. If you're here this morning, you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You're part of the body of Christ. The Lord has a process and He's not looking for us to give personal edicts to people and say, you got to live this way. Listen, the most important way to live is according to the Bible. That's the way we need to live. That's what we need to be following. The Word of God. Jesus confronts these Pharisees and their hypocrisy of trying to enforce their rules. And listen, their rules were enforced not to please God, but so they could be Lord. You know what the Word of God tells us? That we are supposed to be servants. We're supposed to be servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. So their whole, their whole mindset is contrary to what God has for us. You know, and we as individuals should never be found in this category as these Pharisees that day. And we refer back to the Word of God and say, this is what God's Word says. Don't be too worried about the traditions of men. If the traditions of men fall upon the Word of God, amen, that's great. But God's Word trumps all traditions of men. Jesus really blows the lid off this thing for them. They, are, they think they're on the moral high ground. You have not obeyed the laws. How shame, shame. Well, first of all, He calls them out like what you are. And then He gives them 
a, a, a verbal slapdown, if you want to use the term. And he tells them, like, hey, I'm going to expose your liberties you're taking from the law that you shouldn't be doing. He talks about the, the practice of Korban that's mentioned in, in verse number 11. Let me, let me go back up to verse number 9. This is where the Lord really gives it to him. Full well ye reject the commandments of God that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and mother, and whosoever curseth father or mother, let him die to death. But they say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Korban. Now that means a gift offered to God. Now that sounds very righteous, doesn't it? Sounds very spiritual. Sounds like something a Pharisee should say. Because they are religious leaders. The commandments of God are very clear though, isn't it? Honor thy father and mother. And, and that the days may belong upon the, uh, the, the land which the Lord thy God giveth. And I just referenced the, the Lord referenced Ezekiel, or Exodus chapter 21 verse 17 in the portion of Scripture. So the idea of honoring one's parents includes the necessity of providing for their needs as long as they live. Most of us still believe in that today, I hope. Especially as parents, we're hoping our kids believe that, right? To help out, at the very least. Help us as we grow older. The Jews found a way around it. Or the religious ones. They said that the money or possessions were korban, which means a gift offered to God. They would use only that money in regard to sacred things. So they were off the hook for taking care of their parents. Really? You know, I remember when I first read about this and I did some research, I'm like, you are that cold-hearted. Your mother who birthed you, brought you into this world, and your dad who worked hard. Listen, there was no social programs in that day. You know, I mean, you, he provided for you and you made it into manhood. That was a significant parent. And they did well for you. And now you have the audacity to say, Corban, I'm not taking care of you guys. This is all given to God. And they never did. Oh my. What a wicked heart. So it's not about the hands, is it? It's about the heart. It's not about washing your hands right. It's about your heart being right. And he said, hey, you're, you're taking your traditions and making the law of God ineffective. You know, the same attitude exists today. People have their rules. And if you don't live by them, boy, they tell you. But they don't live by them. Because no man can live by all rules. Every man sins. Yep. I'm telling you right now, I'll give you, give you some good stuff right there. <laughs> we all sin. Every one of us. Don't ever think that we get to a place where we never sin again. We do. That's not to say every day, well, I have to sin. No, we try not to sin. But we all sin. So the, the, the rank uh, hypoc- hypocrite says, well, you do it this way. You should do it that way and do it this way. Hey, listen, they're not going to do it all right. Hey, as I bring you the Word of God, understand that I am a human and I make mistakes too. I do. I don't come with a condescending spirit and want to say, be like me. No, I'm saying, be like Jesus. Be like Him. I mean, I have to do my utmost to be a, a great example of Jesus and I should be striving not to make error. I should be striving to live that life that pleases Him. But I'm not a rule maker. The Word of God is what we need to live by. 
by the Word of God. You know, uh, I don't, I, I really believe with all my heart that the church, when you come to church, when you enter the, the doors of MIBC, you find a place that's full of compassion, a place that is, has sympathy for you as you go through your life and the problems you face, and that you will see the love of Jesus Christ. I don't want anyone coming through the doors of our church and they say, well, look at those rule makers. No, you know what we all need to be pointing to? Jesus. You need to be making a big deal about Him. Not about us. Jesus. Point to Him. Oh, we can show Him from the Word of God what the Word of God says. Absolutely, that's our responsibility. Absolutely, but we're not rule makers. I mean, think about Jesus. I mean, He loves us. He died for us. We need to be pointing the lost to Him. He cares for them. Don't you see from God's Word that He had great compassion upon the lost? Certainly did. He had great sympathy for those who were in bondage to sin. And He always showed His love. We see in God's Word that when the Lord got uh, critical in the sense of confronting, it was always the religious crowd who were trying to teach something opposite of the Word of God. That's when He... You know, when he went to the, the temple and threw over the tables because they were lying. Telling lies and trying to follow, get men to follow other men. That's not the way that God has for us. He has spoken. He has given us His Word. His divine authority. He acted with sovereign power. He fulfilled the Scriptures. He's love. He's wisdom. He performed so many amazing miracles. Yet these legalistic Pharisees could not believe that He was from God because He wouldn't wash His hands? Talk about something wrong in here. Their hearts were not right. Their hearts were not right. And they were utterly hypocritical and spiritually blinded. Jesus is about to teach us that it doesn't matter about the outside, true spirituality is from within. It's from within. The problem resolved. Number three. The problem resolved. Verses down from 14 down to 23. You know, the Lord's confronted these Pharisees. We don't see them say anything to the Lord. They probably walked away with their heads hanging low. And proper thing. And the Lord walks away. And He's with the people. He, he tells the crowd that, uh, it's not from what's come, it's not from into the body, what comes into the body, or like eating, arm washing hands that cause spiritual defilement. It's from things that are well already within the heart of a person. That's where the defilement is. And that's in verses 14, 15, and 16. And in uh, 16 is great. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. That's great. We we all need to have ears to hear, don't we? And we need to obey God's word. And verse 17, and when he was entered into the house from the people, the disciples asked him concerning the parable. They weren't quite sure what's going on here. They were a little bit confused. And he asked Jesus, what do you mean? Aren't you glad that you can get in God's Word? And sometimes you might not understand what God's saying, but you can get in God's Word and you can find enlightenment from God's Word. You know, when people come to ask me for counseling or, hey, uh, can you help me with this? I always want to be referring back to the Word of God. Amen. I can relay my personal story. I can relay an experience. But at the end of the day, you need to know what God's Word says. Because my Word will fitter away pretty quick. God's does not. 
God's Word does not. And in verses 18 and 19, he talks about the, the, the process of, you know, when we eat and, and, you know, what we eat doesn't affect our heart. Now, not our physical heart, because don't you go home and eat and have every bit of fried chicken you can find. The pastor said it won't affect my heart. Not your physical heart. He's talking about your inner man. You can eat all the chicken you want. It's not going to offend your inner man. It may cause sickness of body, but does not cause the sickness of the soul. He's telling us external things do not cause spiritual defilement. Verse 20, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. He reveals that spiritual defilement is always the result of a defiled heart. Every sin we commit, whether it's a sin of the body or of the mind, it's born right here in us, our inner man. From our heart. We do those things because we're defiled from within. Keeping external rules will not change the heart. I have seen it time and time and time again. Put out all these rules, and I don't listen. I I understand the necessity of rules. I understand. And I do appreciate rules and guidelines. But you know what I found? When people's hearts are not right, they will find a way around the rules. You cannot think of everything. I was just talking to someone yesterday, another pastor, and, and he told me, he said, I'm changing the things up a little bit in his policy way. And he said, I'm just laying out biblical principles. He said, because I don't know everything that can be wrong to do. And I, if someone really wants to do it, they'll find a way around the rule. So we're going to go right back, and it's, and it's absolutely biblical, go back to the Word of God, and what does that have to say about it? And we'll, they'll find a way around. The heart can only be changed, and spiritual defilement can only be cleansed away by the new birth. By you coming to a place in your heart and life that you realize that you're a sinner. I've erred. I've done wrong. And you understand the consequence for that, and that's to be eternally uh, separated from God at the point of death, and obviously not physical, but spiritual. And that you repent of your sin. So this is the way you were going. I repent. I changed my direction. I changed my mind. This is no longer right. This is not going to do the job. That's what those Jews were doing. Those Pharisees, they were trusting the law, the traditions of men to save them. So you repent and you turn to Jesus Christ and you accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Then you are born again. You have a new birth. You are a new creature. Old things have passed away because all things are new. You're changed. And Jesus gives us a partial list of the attitudes and actions that cause spiritual defilement. And these are things that make us unclean in the sight of God. Not breaking foolish rules made by foolish men. And again, I'm referring to the spiritual realm, folks. Okay, we see in the New Testament that we need to obey the, the, the authority over us, the king, okay, the rules of man. As long as they don't contrary the word of God, we need to obey them. We're talking about in the spiritual realm. Evil thoughts. Verse number 21, from within, 
evil thoughts. It's the root of all that follows that we're going to go through this list a little bit here. When an evil heart conjures up evil intentions, the evil person will carry them out. Now, you've probably seen this once or twice before. You know, a little kid, maybe in elementary school or something, he ups and pops Joey in the face. And why'd you do that? Why'd you hit Joey? Well, I didn't like him. And there's usually another reason, like he took my dinky car or he ate my sandwich or whatever. But you know where that action of punching him came from? The heart. He thought about it first. Sometimes you don't think about it very long, they do it. But they thought about it. It was in their heart. Wham! Evil thoughts. Adulteries. So that's illicit sexual activity by married individuals. Fornications, that, that word, <coughs> excuse me, translates the Greek word panora. Uh, panora. Uh, we get the idea of pornography from. Illicit sexual activity. It comes from the heart. Not about the hands. It's about the heart. We need, we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We have a new heart. We, we're saved, new birth. Murders. Well, we know what that is. Take another one's life. And by the way, you're guilty of murder if you have hatred in your heart toward another person. Uh, that's, that's pretty significant, folks. That's found in 1 John 3.15. We're not to hate. A theft's taking that which belongs to another for your own use. That covers all kinds of territory. All kinds. It's just not money, but everything. Covetousness. The insatiable craving that will never, ever be quenched. Just wanting more. Just wanting more. Just wanting more. I can't get enough. I want more. More. Wickedness. That means malice. It refers to uh, uh, all ways that are evil and it manifests in that person's heart and life. It's like you're deliberately mean. Have you met people like that? I have. Oh, I don't like being around them. They're deliberately nasty. They're deliberately demeaning. They deliberately want to hurt people. I'm like, how can you live that way? Well, they don't have Jesus. He changes everything. Deceit. This word refers to cunning maneuvers. Designed to ensnare someone for their personal gain. The reality is, you know, <clears throat> Christians can do all these things I'm just talking about right now. They can't. This is not a list that Christians cannot do. We need to watch out that we don't do these things. And I have to be honest, I've sadly met some Christians who are really good at this deceit thing. And it really bothers me. I mean, it all bothers me, but uh, I've seen them try to deceive people, those who are young and those who are old, and it's disgusting. For their own use, for their own advantage. It's horrible. Lasciviousness. It refers to an unrestrained, shameless behavior. I will do as I please, and you won't. I don't care what you think about it. I'm just going to do it. Man, that's definitely our world today, isn't it? That's definitely our world today. An evil eye. This is the idea of envy and jealousy 
And you know, when someone gets a blessing, someone's blessed, oh, you didn't deserve that. I deserved it. That's the idea that's being implied here. Hey, if I hear someone gets a blessing, I'm encouraged. Whoa, great for you. You got that good job. Awesome. You got that pay raise. Awesome. You got that new car. Awesome. That individual's like, he didn't deserve that job. I should have that car. I need that money more than he does. But what? You need to be thankful. Be praising, encouraging. Blasphemy. Injurious, you know, speech that's injuring the person or defaming the, uh, sorry, that person, injurious or defaming God. And it goes beyond just blasphemy God as well. The, our speech is important. Gossip is always wrong, folks. It's always wrong. We need to watch that little member. It's a tough member to take care of, isn't it? And we need to be keeping it under control the best that we can with the Lord's help. Pride. The boastful exalting of oneself. You know, we, we have to watch out that it's not all, we're not, look at me. Look how good I am. I'm so awesome. Uh, no one as great as I am. You know, and we kind of laugh and chuckle. I mean, I talk to my kids sometimes about, I, I relay a story about this guy I knew in school. I mean, as soon as he walked through the door, he almost felt like getting a little pin and poking his chest and watching him go, <laughs> you know, because he's always coming in, yay. I'm like, you're such a nurse. I mean, and I'll be honest, I wasn't even saying at the time. I was like, you are so full of yourself. How, like, how are you not blown away by the wind? You're so full of air. You know, it's, it's crazy. How can you live that way? But we have to be all careful, don't we? Because we all can be lifted up in pride. Say, hey, look at me. And you know what? Sometimes it's not this outward action, but we have the spirit. It's in our heart. And it's the, it's the issue of the heart, isn't it? That's what we were talking about all morning. It's about the heart. I might never ever show that I'm a powerful individual, but in my heart I'm thinking, I am the best and you, you, you cannot come close to me. Now that usually if that's in your heart, it does come out, right? Because what's in your heart does come out. You'll end up acting that way. But we need to watch out for that pride, an overbearing attitude, totally opposite of humility. Total opposite. And foolishness. I thought when I first read this portion of script, I mean, I've read it many times, but as I was studying it this week, I thought that's an unusual one to end with. Why wouldn't the Lord say foolishness and then pride? I mean, because pride is a big deal, right? It's a big problem. But that really refers to just a, a spiritual and moral desensitization that we're just we're, we're not sensitive to those things anymore. So what? We can't see sin, and neither do we see the Lord working in it. And we're the kind of person who has no spiritual illumination, like we're not, we're not looking in God's Word. We can't, we're, we're acting as a fool. And, you know, and sadly, the fool says in the heart, there is no God. We live in a world full of those people today, don't we? I have no desire to know. Here's the problem. They were trying to slap a religious patch on a defiled heart. It would not stop anything. It doesn't make things right. 
The Jewish uh, uh, Pharisees here they did everything by the book and they were uh, still responsible for sending Jesus to the cross. They were involved with that. Outwardly, they were clean. They're washing their hands. Inwardly, they were defiled. Following the rules of man. You know, Jesus is not fooled by human nature. You're not fooling Jesus today. And that should be very convicting and we need to remember that as we live our lives because we all can do the things we just saw on that list. And you know, and there's more as well, but he, Jesus knows that all men are sinners and are capable of all the sin, of any sin imaginable. Every person in this room is capable of the sins that were mentioned there and more in fact. But the issue that I want us to consider and that what Lord confronts the, the Pharisees about and then talks to His disciples about and the people about, it's not about the hands. It's about the heart that's defiled. The rea- reality is we need, as if we're here today and we're believers, we have trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And if any of those things and or other things... The Lord has pricked your heart about and that you're defiled and you have sinned. Get it right. Aren't you glad the Lord forgives? Oh, I'm so glad. And today, if that's the case for you, the Lord will forgive you today. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would encourage you to make that decision. Because... As individual believers, we have the Holy Spirit residing with us and He helps us live the right way. If you're outside knowing Jesus Christ as Savior, you're trying to do it on your own and you're going to fail. The hope is Jesus. That's where the hope is. In Jesus and Him alone. You know, a Sunday school teacher was teaching his boys and... He was known to be a bit of a grouchy individual. And he wanted to help them understand what a Christian was. So he asked him the question, Why do people call me a Christian, boys? And this is a really sad response, but it, it, it can be so true. There's a moment of silence, and then one of the boys said, Maybe it's because you, they don't know you. The boys watched him. And in essence, he was calling him out as a hypocrite, wasn't he? That's what he was calling him out. Just like that little boy, Jesus always told it just like it was. He told the Pharisees and scribes exactly what they were. He was telling them. He was telling his disciples exactly what resides within the hearts of man. The problem with mankind is the problem of the heart. It's our hearts. It always has been. It always will be. We could try to make all the fences to keep the traditions or the laws or whatever, whatever, whatever. But if your heart is not right, you will not do it. You won't even try to do it. It's all about the heart. That's where uh, the Lord, uh, uh, the Lord is desiring our hearts for Him, our, our lives for Him. That's where sin originated in our hearts. That's the part of man that needs to be changed. Because if the inside changes, then the outside changes. 
That's just a natural process. You don't change from the outside in. You change from the inside out. And by knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So questions for you this morning. are: Are you playing that part of that ancient Greek actor acting one mask and then a different one? I hope you're not being a hypocrite, but I know myself. I know humans. I know our sinful nature. And we can do that pretty quick. And you know what? We're really good at justifying it. Well, it's not right. Don't be one. Do you have a defiled heart this morning? I think if we're all honest, there's things that we all need to take care of. No one here can say, well, I'm all perfect. Well, I can tell you right now, you got pride. No, we need to get things right with the Lord. And I encourage you this morning, do that. And in the last, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? He changes everything. I think back of when I got saved to where I am now, and it's by the grace of God. But boy, did He change my life. He changed my life. And He'll change yours too. His power hasn't dried up. He's still God. He still answers prayer. He still changes lives. And He's still desiring for more to come to Him. With every, every, every head bowed and every eye closed.